0: Or just tuning in, I'm grateful to have the uh chance to share his word and just look at his word with uh with you together um, grateful for those who are you know, be able to be a part of this in the room and, and help us with uh, the musical portion of things. Thanks to our musicians and worship team, and always thanks to Gary. Thanks to our tech team in the back, and uh, thanks to those of you who are, who are watching online. You know, welcome to Online Church. And I know that, you know, maybe as you, like, settle in to watch online, it can feel like watching a movie, you know. And you're like, well, let's get some snacks, let's settle in, you know, we're going to get comfortable, uh, and I just want to remind you, like we said last week, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable with the, kind, the idea of online-only church. I know for some that that might be your only option, um, that that's the only thing that you're able to do at this point. But please don't get too comfortable with just, you know, how online church works. We were uh, talking last week that it's in the areas where we're uncomfortable that we actually grow the most. And so, you know, last week we were talking about the early church, and uh, you know the early church, really, the, the, it, it really statistically should not have survived. It was under in, incredible pressure and immense um, uh, opposition right from the get-go, and yet it not only survived, but it thrived, and it 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 made it towards other uh, to other places till eventually it even it even reached us here. And I I thought about that. And we talked about it last week. Why why did they thrive? And we know that uh, they devoted themselves to a few things. They devoted themselves to the Word, to the apostles' teaching, to learning it, uh, about Jesus. They devoted themselves to prayer. And we say devoted, it means that like, they committed themselves to this. This was a regular part of who they were and what they did. And then they committed to gathering together. And we encouraged saying last week, we hope history will repeat itself. That the church of 2021 will be like thriving as a result. Um, and the truth is, you know, they did. But have we done that? You know, they committed to that, but have we? You know, and they, um, it says that they, uh, they did do it. But I guess the question is, will we? Will we commit to uh, those things as well? Will we devote our lives to that as well? You know, they were living on uh, mission. They were living on mission. And we think about, you know, the mission that Jesus had given to them. Uh, you know, I, I guess my question for you is, what comes to mind when you hear the word mission? You know, maybe like for you, it's like you're the, the men in this place. You right away think of like F-14 Tomcat fighter jets, you know, on a mission. Uh, we, you know, it'd be like, man, could we just be in one of those? Or, you know, maybe you're thinking saving Private Ryan. And it's like, man, just on this mission, like there's blood and guts and we're going to go save some lives. Uh, but maybe for you, you're, you hear it and you're like, no, 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 I don't. that's not what comes to mind. For me, when I hear the word mission, I'm like man i'm thinking about like Haitian orphanages and and you know holding babies and and hugging babies and 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 maybe that's your idea of mission but can i just say that either way or maybe it's something completely different that when you hear the word mission it grabs something kind of deep on the inside of you it's not just a regular word like yeah you, mission is like if you really think about it it's it's like it's an all in all all of your being type of type of thing and i think that's why jesus when when he sent his disciples out at the end, just before he went, returned to heaven, he's like, guys, i got a mission for you. And It's called the great co-mission, us and Jesus on mission. Matthew 28 says that this. This is what they were being obedient to. Matthew 28, verse 18. If you have your Bible, grab it. You can scan there. Or you can follow along on the screen. But I prefer that you, that you had it in front of you. It says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You know, He just, he just risen from the dead. So we, we know that he had authority over death. He had authority over hell. He had authority over the planet. Like He has authority over everything. So he's like, since I have all authority, like here's what I want to do, having all that authority. And he's like, here's the command that I'm giving you. And he says to them, so therefore, since I have all authority, I'm telling you to go. And that word go, we'll look at it a little bit, but it's, it's this idea of as you're going. Wherever you go, while you're going, he's like, go and make disciples. So wherever you go, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in verse 20, and teach them. It's actually the same word, disciple. Disciple these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, he's talking to the, the original 11 disciples here. And when he says to them, hey, disciples, go make disciples, he wasn't saying, hey, apostles, go make converts. He he wasn't saying, hey, you know, you just want people who are going to, you know, believe in Jesus, we, you know, or believe that there is a Jesus. He's like, we want people who are disciples. You know, disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, there's a, There's a movie that I'm kind of taking my time going through. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. Uh, at this point, I would highly recommend it. Sheep Among Wolves is actually a documentary on the fastest growing church in the world. You know where it is? Iran. The fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran, and all of that, their focus is that let's just make disciples. They have no buildings. They have, no, they have not no real you know, leadership of organizational anything. It's, like, it's mostly led by women, and it is growing like crazy. But you know what? They have no room for just converts. People are like, yeah, I believe there's a God, or yeah, I believe there's a Jesus. It's like if you're in, you're all in. You're all in. It's not just, hey, I said a prayer, or I went to church or watched church every once in a while. It's like I'm all in. And that's what a disciple is. It's a disciplined follower of Jesus. And we saw that in the in the early church. Lives that were devoted to. Like my whole life is wrapped around this person and whatever he does in my life, he's the master. And I just say, yes. You know, as I was reading this week, I read about a guy named Richard Wormbrand. Richard uh, was a guy who was who rescued Jews in communist Romania uh, during World War II, and and for for doing that, Richard was arrested. He was imprisoned for 14 years. He was tortured numerous times throughout that time, and then he was finally they paid, somebody paid his ransom of ten thousand dollars, and he was allowed to uh, re- leave prison after 14 years. And I was just, uh, just reading some of his stuff in his, in his book called In God's Underground. Richard says this, there are two kinds of Christians in the world. Those who sincerely believe in God and those who just as sincerely believe that they believe. Let me say that again. He says there are two kinds of Christians in the world, those who sincerely believe in God and those who just as sincerely believe that they believe. And you can tell them apart by their actions in decisive moments. And I, when I read that, I was like, it jumped off the page of me. I don't want to just be a person who just believes that I believe. No, I want to be one of those people that genuinely believes in Christ and his mission. That that, I would, that he can look at me someday and say, well done, son. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were one of my disciples. And I asked that question as an online church. As you're watching, wherever you may be from. Maybe you call Kingsway home. Maybe you know it's a different church and you just kind of tuned in. Are you a disciple? Would you say that you're part of a group of disciples? You know, that's the early church. That's what they said. We're a group of disciples. We're disciplined followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. We looked at this last week in depth, and if you want to go back and check it out, but it says this all the believers, and every one of them, is what they did. They devoted themselves. They were like, we're, we're committing our life to this, to a number of things. Number one, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. Uh, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then in Ephesians four sixteen, we looked at this kind of at the end, where it says that Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. He's like, they're committed to the teaching, they're committed to gathering together, committed to prayer, but they're committed to that for the sake of this growing this growing body. And he's like, geez, um, Paul's like, Jesus is totally intertwined in all of this. He's the one putting this body together so that each part does a part. And as they do that, the rest of it grows. And so, you know, they, they committed to gathering together and growing together. And, and that was, that's our, our thought. I want to kind of jump in at that spot today. That we would see that by being together, they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching the apostles' teaching, consistently reading and studying his word. You know, my question is this. After last week, have you, did you find a way to consistently find a spot to say, I'm going to study his word on my own. I want to know him. I, I don't want to just, like, have read the Bible. I want to know the God of the Bible. Are you doing that? This is just a test from last week. You know what we talked about last week? Did something change in your life this week to say, yeah, I, I, I've joined the Bible app, or I've, I've done something to, to spend time reading the Word on my own. My, my second question is, did you find a way to do it with other people? Have you found a way to read the Word with other believers? You know, I can't count how many times people have told me that it was when they began to study Scripture with other people that, man, did they ever grow it was in those moments. Sometimes it took time and was like, oh, it's a little embarrassing because I don't feel like I know too much. We just said last week, that doesn't matter. That's just a lie of the enemy. You can learn in, in growing together. And so I'd encourage you, you know, join the Bible app. And actually, if you're not going to do it for you, do it for me. <laughs> I have learned so much from the questions and comments that you guys post on the Bible app every day. I'm loving it. You know, the idea was that, we would, they, that they would make disciples. They would study the word together. And so I wanted to title this message, Each Part Plays a Part. So, for you know, since we're kind of everybody's an all in thing, I you know, every time I say each part, would you respond with plays a part? And I know you're at home or you're driving or you're like, whatever, uh, and there's only a couple of people in the room, but let's just try that together. Each part, plays a part. each part, plays a part, there you go, each part plays a part. So, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to it. You know, last week we talked about finding a place or making a place uh, to pray on your own. You know, where, where TV's off, cell phone's off. You know, you're finding a spot where you can just simply be with your Heavenly Father every single day. Have you done that? Here, here again, here's another chance to just say, what did I, what did, what happened after last week? I just, I listened to something, but did I do something with what I heard? You know, I was reminded in our small group after, and that's why I love the small groups. Uh, reminded of the movie, The War Room. You know, the war room, and one guy was saying, yeah, I had one of those in my house, you know, before we moved. This war room where I would be, like, go to pray. And it's like, the thought is this, I can talk to God throughout the day when I'm driving wherever I am, but it's, it's like this set-aside spot that that's where I hear him. That's where I'm just listening. That's where I'm taking the time to just be quiet and hear his voice. Have you done that? This praying on your own, has it been affected since last week? And if not, what about this week? And then, you know, they would not just pray on their own, they would pray with others. And we encourage you to do the same thing, to pray with others out loud. And man, that's not comfortable when you first start. But oh man, do you grow as a result. You know, we talked with some last week too in our small groups and just said, hey, let's just pray together. And I would love for you to do that tonight, whether, wherever you're gathered, uh, to, to be able to just pray with one another You know, go and make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. It's this idea of like, we are going to help one another commit to these same things that made the church grow. You know, I would just like to challenge you with this. You know, I think sometimes we think that the small group gathering or something has to be really planned. But that's that idea of as you're going. It's not like, hey, we're going to plan this. It's just, if you come in contact with another Jesus follower, if you happen to have a conversation, and I mean verbal, not like text or whatever, but whether it's on the phone or in person, you know, if in those moments, I would just love to give you a little experiment or something to try this week. And, and, and man, call me on it because I would love to do the same thing. Would you just end those little conversations and just say, hey, hey, can we pray together? Can we just pray together about anything? Just It may only take one minute of your day. But I don't know about you, but how many times when people have prayed with me, Not just saying, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." Prayed with me, man. What an encouragement! What an incredible encouragement! And we have that opportunity all the time. So, as Jesus followers, it might be the grocery store you run into them. It might be who knows where. Hey, can, can I just pray with you for like one for one quick minute? I'd love to hear how that goes. You're like, oh, that's awkward. Yes, oh, it's uncomfortable. Yes, but man, will you grow, and you'll probably help them grow as well. Why? Because each part. Oh, we're getting there. Each part plays a part. part. You know, I think in our minds, when we think about church, I think we still sometimes um, picture it as being, you know, there's one or two people at the front who do stuff. Or there's one or two people on the stage, they're the ones who do stuff. Or it's it's the ministry pastors and leaders, they're the ones who do ministry. And I think when we look back at the, you know, at the Bible times, we think, oh, of course, it's like Peter and John and James. It's the guys we know the names of. You know, Paul, those are the guys who did ministry. Rather than thinking of it in this way, that they called us to think about it, is that it was a gathering of individuals. We don't even know their names, but they all brought something for the greater good. They all brought something. It's like, it's like a potluck. Everybody brings a little bit of food, and as a result, you have this fantastic feast. It was this idea of Jesus' followers being the body that they would all gather together and bring something to the table. And it wasn't like hundreds of people gathering. That, that doesn't work. It wouldn't work. We find that it was like in these smaller gatherings, you know. And that's why I think there's a there's a downfall to the online-only church. I think it's been fantastic for us to have online option available. I think it's a part of our growth. But if we get to the spot where we become comfortable with online-only, I can't see that going well for us. I can't see that going well for us if it's online-only. You know, I talked with somebody this week, and as he's one of the guys I was talking about last week. He said, you know, man, I haven't listened in a few weeks. Remember last week I was saying, you know, it's those people who haven't listened in a few weeks. You're not even listening to me talk about you right now. But, but he was one of them. And he said this. He's like, you know what? He said, I haven't watched. He's like, it's just so easy. It's just so easy to miss it. And then, you know what? I, I, I realized I haven't done it for another week. I'm like that's not healthy. That's not that's not helpful. There's there's this accountability that happens when you're part of a gathering. You know, we we don't we don't get to know who's not a part of the gathering anymore. We don't get to we say hey, we're doing this together except I don't know who's with us. Unless you email me or something. We don't know. We can't see you on YouTube like you can get to see us. We, we it doesn't go both ways. So, I don't even know who who is and who isn't anymore. And we just kind of find things out as we go. But there's an accountability when you gather Together, when there's like, a, I, I know that I miss that person because they're not here. Why? Because each part, each part plays a part, including you, including you. And it's so easy to think that what we're doing right now, watching online, that that's church. But I think the temptation for us is that we end up just watching. Just watching. Like we would watch a movie. Like we would watch something else other than church. We just get into that spot of, well, well, we're just watching. And do you realize something? Church was never meant to be a spectator sport. It was never meant to be a spectator sport. We, we treat it kind of like a concert sometimes, I think. You know, we go to a concert... You go there and you watch the, the people on stage who've got like mad skills and, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other people. They just sort of, they're there to, to watch the people on stage. They're not hopping up on stage and be like, hey, pass me that guitar slide stone. Like I got this one, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. And we do the same thing here, right? Where you get to watch the people, you know, Saman and whoever's on, on stage. And then it's like, you know, when you went to a concert before, it's like, well, we went, we watched, we left. And for many, that was church for you. You know, before all this happened, you was like, we went, we watched, we left. And it created this idea, especially in North America, that that that's what church is. Hey, we go, we watch, we leave. And now it's just even easier. We don't even have to go. We just like, we watched, we left. We watched, we left. And you know, the church is actually not meant to be that at all. It was actually meant to be more like an orchestra. An orchestra of hundreds of different instruments. Why? Because each part Plays plays a part. Each part plays a part. And our conductor is Jesus saying, hey, with every person involved in this, I'm building my gathering, the symphony of heaven, that that every person is contributing to this thing called the church. You need to be honest. It doesn't actually matter how important you think your part is. Maybe like, oh, they don't really need me. Oh, I'm just, I, you know, if I was part of, the, part of the orchestra, I'm not like the lead violinist. Like I'm not, I'm like the guy who plays the triangle in the back. You know where I'm? I'm like, I'm not like the lead guitarist. I'm like the guy who plays the cowbell. And I, I think, you know, like that great Saturday Night Live sketch, I think Jesus, instead of Christopher Walken, he's saying, we need a lot more cowbell. We need a lot more cowbell. You know, I think like when you see a puzzle with one piece missing, that one piece, that one piece, you think, oh, it doesn't really matter that much until all the other pieces are there, and you're like, ah, oh, I wonder. You know, Bobby DeVries, he used to always, you know, anytime he see somebody doing a puzzle, he always grabs one piece and slips it in his pocket so that someday down the road, he can be the one to put the last puzzle piece in. But sure, you can see the whole picture, but that one puzzle piece is always that, that glaring, something's missing. Something's missing. Have you ever tried starting a lawnmower without a, without a uh, spark plug? I mean, it's just this one little part. Like, really? Does it really matter? You know, just like the puzzle isn't complete without that piece, the lawnmower doesn't function without that piece, and the church is not complete or does not really fully function without you. It does not. And we're not saying it's in one massive gathering, but in the truth of gathering together as the body, it matters. You know, it's that, that's the church. The gathering that Jesus said, this is what I'm going to build. It requires us to be connected. And that hasn't, just, that hasn't stopped just because of this thing called COVID. Because before there was, there, there was that, it was each part plays its part. And since COVID, each part, plays, plays, a part. plays a part. Why? In helping the other disciples grow. It helps, it helps the other part of the church grow. You know, sometimes we, think, we, we tend to think in, in, of growth as like numbers. You know, how many people watched the feed this week? Or, you know, how, how many people were in the building this, you know, before? Or how many were in the small? It doesn't matter how many. Numbers isn't what, what matters. Because it, it doesn't matter how many people watched. What matters is how many people grew. And as a, as a leader, as a pastor, my, my calling is to help equip the church to, to grow. As individuals, as people, as you, to grow. You know, because it's not what Paul wrote. He wrote that each part plays a part so the other parts grow. You know, many times, smaller is actually better for that to happen. And we talk about that often here, that in the rows, you don't grow in the rows. Gary and I were talking about it actually right before the service today. You don't grow in the row. You grow in the circle. And getting into those places where you're in a circle, and it's really hard to have a circle of one, just saying. But what we find out is the early church did very much similar things. They met in circles. They gathered in homes. They gathered around the table they studied, they prayed, and they served. And they served one another. We see that over and over a hundred times. It says they, 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 there was something that they did with one another. Served, um, helped, carried one another's burdens. They grieved with one another. They wept with one another. They rejoiced with one another. It was like this one another thing. you know. So Paul, as he's describing the church to the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Colossians, and the Romans, he describes it as a body. Similar idea, that it's a whole bunch of parts put together and that they all work together. And so the question that I have for you is just simply this. What is your part? What is your part? Because we know that you're, you're essential to the church. So what is your part? Maybe you're like, that's my question. I have no idea. Hopefully in the next couple of minutes here, it may bring a, just a little bit of a of a stepping stone to see where where that that where where you fit in. Where what part do you play? Even though we might be distanced at times, that there's a part that you've been designed to play in this day and age and this time of the church. Um, there's lots of different descriptions in uh, in scripture, but here's the one I want to just uh, take a look at uh, today. Romans twelve verse four. Romans twelve, verse four. Um, and I only have verse 6. Do you have verse 4? Yeah. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Did you know that? He's given you gifts for doing something well. So if God has given you the ability and he goes off through this list of things and it's not this this list isn't total and complete it just gives you some th- thoughts to think about if if he's if God has given you the ability to prophesy well then speak out with as much faith as God has given you if your gift is serving others well then serve them well if you're a teacher teach well If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, well, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, well, then do that gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Like, really love them. So all of these things is out of that that heart attitude of love. Hate what's wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Here's Paul's encouragement to the Romans. Man, we learn a lot. You know, whatever part you play, he says, do it well. You're like, what are those? You know, I don't know what all those words mean. Let's just take a quick look at some of them. You know, he says, what you know, if you prophesy... If, if he's given you the gift of being able to prophesy, you're like, well, what, is, what does that mean? In its most basic th- term, this is a speaking gift. It's like you have the ability to expound on scripture, to to preach, to help people hear and understand the word of God. If he's given you that ability, he's like, man, do that with all the faith that God gives you. Trust him that he's speaking through you and to do that. You know, that. but some of you are like, well, that's not my thing at all. You know, I'm much more of like a hands-on and, you know, he, Paul moves right to that next. He says, "Maybe for you it's serving. You know, the hands-on kind of people, like Martha in the kitchen. You know, we talked about you know uh, one of the Jesus, one of the stories with Jesus and Mary and Martha. Martha was in the kitchen just preparing food. Why? Because she was good at that. And maybe for you, that's you. You're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that for God. He's designed you to, with gifts." for his purposes you know if it's teaching and I, it's like it's it's people who can take the time to give instruction step by step instruction you know like our precept studies i think of jackie she's like one of these gifted people who who just like yes the precept upon precept it's like like natural to her ricky lee from the video earlier you could just see and hear that that great teaching ability he's like god gifted you to do that well for his purposes maybe it's encouraging you know encourage means come alongside I'm going to walk with you. You know, I'm going to, the word actually means put courage into somebody. So when they're down, it's like, you're the one who's like, hey, come on, get up. You're. It's going to be okay. You're not alone. We're in this together. And it's like, you just help people. Barnabas was one of the people in the Bible who was known for that. They called him the son of encouragement. Maybe for you, maybe another one is giving. It's like, you just can't help yourself. You're like, I just see needs everywhere. Like, how come everyone else doesn't see that? Why? Because you've been gifted to do it well. You know, my wife is one of these that, like, I, she'd give away everything if we let her. She's just so generous. Her heart is just is huge for people in this, in this area, and it's amazing. Why? Because God's gifted her well to do that, and she uses it well. You know, maybe it's leadership, and leadership is like the ability to organize other people around a cause, Say, hey, we believe in this. Let's do this together. And he's like, hey, sometimes we need that, right? It's like, hey, let's do this. And nobody does anything because there's nobody to say, this is how we're going to do it. You know, and then finally, k- kindness or compassion. You know, the heart for the underdog. Just that person who's like, man, you, know, you, 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 you wear your heart on your sleeve and you're there for those who are, who are down in the dumps. Most of you are usually Leaf fans as well, just because it comes so natural to you. You know, the, that, that kindness. That one for the underdog. But Paul's saying, whatever part you play, play it well. He kind of says, you know, in, in summary, like the one thing that you can't do is nothing. The one thing you can't do is nothing. You know, my mom used to teach a course on this way back when I was young. Um, she'd teach a, a, Bible, a Bible school course on these topics. I remember she was talking about how she was teaching a night, the night classes at this building and. Uh she just simply asked this and said, hey, let's put this in like a perspective. You know, we've learned about all of these things. What, what would happen? Let's just picture this. If a drunk man walked in t- right now and he had soiled himself and you could just smell the alcohol and he, he probably looks, you know, he looks like he's homeless. How would you respond in that moment if he just walked right into the, cl- to the class? She said, maybe, you know, if you're the prophecy person, you'd be like, dude, like, you need the gospel, man. You you need to get saved, and Jesus can set you free from this. That's that's how prophecy would respond. You know, the server would be like, come on, hold on a second. This guy needs, like, a cup of coffee first. Like, sober him up before you preach to him. You know, the teacher would say, wait, you know what, Yes, I know he needs both of those things, but I got the 12-step manual from AA right here. You know, step one, I don't want to drink anymore. Let's say it together, you know, or, or the encouragement side. Like, man, I know you fell off the wagon, brother, but you can get back up. Don't give up. You, you got this. We got this, you know, or the giver's like, oh, guys, thus tomorrow, today, he needs some clean clothes. Hey, here, buddy, take my jacket. You know what? There's a gift card in the pocket there for you. You can go buy some food at the grocery store. Or maybe, you know, the leader comes and says, Hey, everyone, hold on. I know you all got your ideas, but we got to do this together. You know, I'll organize right. home for him. Who's taking him to AA tomorrow? Who's taking him to the grocery store? Okay, and let's let's do this together. And then the person with kindness and compassion, they didn't say anything. They just went and sat down, put their arm around. It's like, it's all right, buddy. It's going to be okay. And doesn't it just happen that during that class, doesn't a drunk man wander in off the street right into their classroom? And all the people look at each other like, is this planned? Is this the finals test? Like, what do we, what do, we do now, right? And of course, they all go like, okay, well, we'll do what we, we felt we we're supposed to do, right? Because maybe she's grading us on this. That same thought. And what happened? It was just a natural thing. What was the response? So, can you just picture that moment for a minute? If that happened to you, How would you respond? What's like the the thing in your gut that says, this is the one that I would want to do? Because God's probably wired you to do that and to simply do it well for his purpose. You know, I don't know if we realize that we've been gifted to do these things. Not Not that, hey, we just sort of acquired this or whatever, but that he's actually wired you for it. Because he knew you would be here in this moment to be a part of this gathering for a purpose, for his kingdom. And you're like, well, huh, huh, well, we're not all the same, you know. And, and I, I think that's a big thing in our culture right now is that when you're not the same, you divide. We don't think the same, we divide. And, you know, I think Jesus made us very different so that we would be united to do something greater than we could ever do on our own. That the body of Christ would be united. Can you, you know, hearing all of that, can you picture what their homes um, and small groups look like back in the, in the early church? I can. I think they were gathering together and, hey, we we'll are listen to Paul speak. And Martha's like, yeah, hey, here, you know, I got dinner on the table afterward. And as they're sitting around, it's like, you know, one of the new newbies is like, you know, I, just, I think I said my first prayer today. And Barnabas's like, yeah, right on. That sounds great. Hey, let's do it together. I'll pray first and you pray after me. They were in it together. To grow as disciples. And you know, in in the small groups that I'm a part of, as I watch and learn and hear and listen, and our lives are intertwined and we're growing, encouraging together. We truly are growing together. Because every part, every part. So what about you? What about you? Because you're one of those parts. And I just want to close with these thoughts. What about today and what about now? The early church, hey, we see how they thrive, but what is he called you to be for this part of this gathering? It wasn't so just so that you could watch. It wasn't so that you could be comfortable. It wasn't so that you're like, eh, I didn't like that. I'll turn them off and I'll go find something else. He puts you in this body for this purpose, for this time, for this reason. Why? Because you are a part. You are a part. You have a part to play. And so, my question is this what is he putting on your heart to do? You know, I just, man, I just want to celebrate a few of our people that I've seen do it well. It's a young guy named Noah. He's 18 years old. He came to me uh, earlier in the year and just said, hey, you know, I'd really love it if we could have a young guy's study. Would you be willing to teach it? And I was like, heck yes. Like when do young people want to like have a Bible study? Like we're in and we've been going for months to growing together. It's been awesome. And it all started because of an 18 year old who said, hey, this is what's on my heart. You know, I had a young gal who just said, you know, I really think we need a junior youth group. Like it's just burning in my heart that these youth need something, and and so we're like, yeah, okay, let's find a way to do that. You know, there's others who've said, you know, I <laughs> I feel like I'd like to lead the singing at our small group, and I'm like, man, that let awesome. Just you know, if you can do it live, how amazing is that? And maybe there's 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 some who're saying, you know, I uh, you know, I feel like. I don't know if I'm ready to lead, but maybe I can help. Well, that's what the whole list is about. You don't have to lead if you just want to be a part of helping. You know, I saw you know one one woman called me this week, and she's like, ever since last week, it's just been. I keep hearing it in my mind to start a a, a group for for young women. You know, the young guys got a group, of the young women, and and she's like, but but I don't know. You know, sometimes we don't feel qualified. We're like, I don't know if I'm qualified. Can I just say that not being qualified, that's a lie that the enemy just going to put in your mind. As soon as God speaks, it's like, hey, I think you could do this. The enemy's like, no, you can't. And you need to step up and go, yes, I can, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, because it's him. It's about his love. It's about his heart. It's about his gifting in me. And, and, and I'm going to trust in him. I'm not even going to trust in my own ability. I'm going to point to him, because it's for his purposes. And that's what I want to use it for. You know, I think about Feed the Need this week, and man, I just want to say thank you to you as a church who've been so generous through this past uh, um, number of months, especially the last couple of months. You guys are like hitting home runs, like out of the stadium as far as your giving goes. Uh, Wonderful. You know, as a result, we've had the chance where somebody said to me this week, Mark, I know someone in our church, they won't tell you, but they need help. And we were able to help that family, and it was like, "Wow, it's amazing. That just the way that, that that all came together. And then I had somebody come and say, Mark, uh, there's a family. they're not from our church, but I know they need help." And it gives me an opportunity to, to be in their lives. And I was like, "Come on over, get some gift cards and, and head on over there." Got a text from one of them. Just so thankful that a church that they don't even go to would reach out to them and serve them. It was amazing. And then my favorite one was this guy came and he had told me this week, he's like, hey, remember we helped this couple a while back? And it was, it was a number of months ago. He said, they had just said to me, that was the exact amount of money they needed just to make it through that week. I was like, brilliant. And he says, guess what though? He's like, they now know of another couple who needs help. And I was like, we can do that. And so, what happened is, I got to give the gift cards to this guy. He's giving the gift cards to that couple. That couple's going to go and give it to this other couple. And I'm like, man, look at all the people who get to be a part of discipleship all the way along the way. Because that's how it works. That is how it works. And it only works if each part plays a part. Only if each part plays a part. So, at the very least, my challenge is this at the very least, would you just share your gifting? with those around you? Maybe it's your family. Maybe that's the only place that you can connect right now. Would you share your gift, the gift that he's caused you to be able to do and to do it well for them? And then finally, would you share your story? Would you just share your story of what Christ has done in you? It doesn't have to be your whole life story. Most people aren't gonna have time for that, but they got time for like one minute or two of, hey, this is what God has done in my life recently, that he gets glory out of it. And that we would, you know, just in, I guess just in closing, to the, to just remember, to remember that we live in a world that many, many people still uh, have yet to meet Jesus for real. They've heard about religion, they've heard about rules and tradition, but they they haven't truly heard about Jesus. You know, when Jesus was um, with the disciples, sitting at a at a well. You know, he's like, we're in Samaria, and they're like, ah, oh, we don't want to be here. We, we want to go away. And he says, fellas, you guys have heard it said that, you know, it's four months until the harvest. But he says, but I'm telling you, look up. Get your eyes. Look up. The harvest is ready right now. There's, the harvest is ready right now. There's people right now who need to hear the good news. And I just want to remind you of that, that that our eyes would be open to see things as God sees them. We wouldn't just see the earthly agendas and the earthly things, but that our eyes would see what he sees. And guess what he sees? It's not a what, it's a who. It's a person that he sees that he wants to reach. And guess what? He's more than likely going to reach them, not through this message, because they're probably not watching. He's going to reach them through you because you were watching and that you'd go and do your part. And as a result, there may be people who come into eternity as a result of somebody who just said, okay, I will do my part. Can we pray? Father, thank you for putting us together as your church, as your family. Lord, thank you for <laughs> confounding the wisdom of the world with this thing called the church. Thank you that it has survived and thrived throughout history. That has brought us to this place, passed the torch to us. Jesus, help us, I pray. Help us, I pray, to be the church that you've called us to be, the church that you gave your life for, that you would receive full full reward for the sacrifice you made for us. Father, I pray for people watching, wherever they are right now, and who are just listening, that they'd hear your voice. Just prompting them on the inside, in their heart and their spirit, because you know them. You know them. For those that need to respond to you, to just surrender their lives to you, Father, I pray they would. And for those who would say they're a Jesus follower, I pray that they would surrender their gifting and their story for your purposes. God, help us. Help us, I pray, to, to truly be the church that you desire for this time. And I ask this all in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a few questions I'd love for you to chat and wrestle with. Hopefully you can maybe call somebody up on the phone if you're watching this by yourself or if you're gathered in a, in a gathering, that you would just take some time to discuss this. So here's some of the thoughts. Number one, what jumped out at you today? What was the thing you're like, huh, I got to think a little bit more about that. Or I never saw it that way before. Or that made me really angry. You know, whatever it is, what jumped out at you? Second, you know, why, why do you think the church has been more of a spectator event for people? Why do you think church has been typically more of a spectator event? And, and why do you think that happened? And then third, which one of the giftings that we talked about most resonated with you? When you think of the little the drunk man story, which was the thing that you're like, yeah, that one kind of sounded like me. Like, that's the one I would like to be. You know, which one uh, and, and why? And then finally, this one's a little, this one's like the, <laughs> this, if you get to this one, it's on purpose. Um, who could you pray with right now? Who could you pray with right now? You know, as you're talking on the phone with that person, like, oh, uh, are we going to do this? I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to take that step and just say, you know what? Yeah, hey, let's pray together out loud for one another. What a great encouragement. What a great way to be disciples and make disciples. And for those who are, you know, gathered together, thank you. Thank you for discipling one another because that is the mission that he's called us to. Love being a part of this church. Love being uh, discipled with you and by you and for him. Have a fantastic week and we will chat again soon.